We're going to be here. Revelation chapter 19. Allow me to pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time. I thank you so much for this church and Pastor Ross. And what a blessing um, in the worship. Uh, Lord, you are good. Help me to be faithful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying her still. She swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother and a boat alongside told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, and emo- finally physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than a half mile away. At a news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Those words are powerful, especially when you look at the Bible. And we live in a world where all you can see is the fog. It's like darkness is closing in, and things, it's like every day things get weirder. And more difficult, too. And it's really hard to see the shore. And Revelation chapter 19 helps us to see more than just the shore. It's going to launch us into heaven. Without that, it's just a fog. And the Lord is going to take us safely home. So this is where we're going to pick up in Revelation chapter 19, just to make sure that we all have our minds on the same page. So by this time, you're at the end of the book. Jesus is coming back at the time that we get to the end of Revelation chapter 19. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be with him. Well, how did we get there to be with him when he comes back? This is what happens. There's a rapture that takes place. And if you're a believer in Christ, you're going up. That is great news. And people say there's no rapture in the Bible. There is. That's a story for another time. Uh, But we are to comfort one another with those words that we're going up. After we go up there's a tribulation that's going to begin. Antichrist is going to be on the scene, and all these different judgments that are spoken of in the Old Testament and the New Testament take place on this planet. While those things are going on here, we are there. And we are going to find ourselves in this passage in Revelation chapter 19. And it is really cool. So you ready? Okay, so we're in heaven. If you're in Christ, you're here. Revelation chapter 19, let's see where we can find where we are. After these things, John writes, this is after the destruction of Babylon, after Antichrist has has the mark of the beast, and after all of that stuff, John writes, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord. For he is our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. So that's Babylon and mystery Babylon. That's what's going on there. So this talking, God's judged. That's what's happening. 
And they said, hallelujah, for her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Who's the great multitude? That's us. We're in here. So we've gone up. We're in heaven and we're part of this. We're with the 24 elders, uh, the living creatures, all these that are praising God in heaven, crying out hallelujah. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Verse eight, just a couple more verses. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you don't do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you. I pray that you would do great things right now. Pour out your spirit. And I pray especially for anybody here today that may just be seeking and saying, what's this stuff about? Or the person who wants hope in a hopeless world. Minister. May Jesus be glorified. Amen. When you read Revelation chapter 19, you have this great hallelujah chorus. Um, This is the first time in the history of the world that the church will not be fighting over the music at the church. (laughs) I, 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 I... I love thinking about the worship in heaven for various reasons. Um, You have all these different styles of Christian worship in the world. Uh, Not just, you know, the Western world has, we have, there's there's contemporary Christian music, which a lot of it, I don't even know what it is. But, um, But still, you have that, and then you have hymns, and all part of the Western world. But you have worship that is entirely different down in Mexico or in Africa or in China or the, in the Islamic world where people are coming to faith in Christ more than any other place on the planet. Uh, my messianic friends in Israel, uh, people over in the various places in Europe and Russia, all this different worship, all these different styles, all these different faces coming together and praising God. It's going to be awesome and there will be no fighting. Nobody's going to say, I don't like this. I'm going to wait till the music's over and then I'll go sit down. I don't know, you know. It's just, it's just how people are. 
But this is the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. You guys sing here. This church is cool. This is the way we're supposed to be singing. In heaven, we got an example. It's a loud voice. NIV says the roar of a great multitude. And what are they saying? Hallelujah, which simply means praise be to God or praise the Lord. I love this thought because when you look back in history at the Tower of Babel, when God had made a decision to put an end to the attempt at that global world order back then, what did he do? He divided the nations according to languages. He gave them languages so they couldn't communicate. They had to split up. But I have found something. Everywhere I travel to, uh, Mexico many times, um, Israel, the West Bank, uh, Turkey, uh, Greece, Italy, different places. There's one word with all the different languages that every single person I know, uh, th- you know what it is. It's hallelujah. That's the sovereignty of God. Because when he split up the nations and gave them different languages, he kept one word the same. Uh, praise God. And they don't even know it. That's, I, I, I just think it's totally cool. That's how awesome God is. Okay, but notice this, what they are doing. Look at this. Check it out. They, or we, because we, this is us. Remember, we've gone up. So this is us. You guys were talking yesterday, uh, both Pastor Ross and Don, about being spotted. I love that. I'm going to start using that term, spotted. You've been spotted here. This is us. Uh, We are praising him for salvation because salvation belongs to the Lord. We are praising him for glory because glory belongs to the Lord. We are praising him for honor because honor belongs to the Lord. Uh, Listen, the day is almost here when we will recognize more fully than ever before what our salvation really is and the glory and honor that are due to him. At that moment, every worry, every trouble that you ever had, you know with absolute certainty you will never have that worry or trouble again. It's gone. This cuts through the fog of this world and all the different stuff here. This helps us to see the shore. And this reminds us, this is us here. Isn't that a triple you think of us? This is us right there. And there's other passages in Revelation you can find you in there. Because that's me. That is you. That's, I, I don't know. We're safely home. He gets us there. We're going to find that there's no debts, no worries, no fears, no broken hearts, no death, no sadness, no bowling, no persecution, no suffering, no sickness, no troubles, no car payments, <laughs> no shutting off of electricity, <laughs> saying you can't use the water, you know, things we're used to. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. No rent, no taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, I think we would all agree on that. No politicians. No, I, I need, okay, now... Now, now, I do need to walk that back a minute, all right? I have some dear friends that are in politics. I don't really mean no politicians. There will be saved politicians in heaven. So It's like saying there will be no attorneys. Well, there will be attorneys there. 
All right, there will be saved ones. Well, you guys get it, right? No doctor visits. We aren't going to have to deal with politics because Jesus is king of kings and is going to settle that. Won't that be so nice? It's going to be awesome. No more bad news, no sins, no temptations. They'll all be forever gone. And the praise will be infinitely more incredible than anything we've ever imagined yet. And by the way, he wants us to give him the glory and the praise and the honor now. It's an act of faith. It's tr- when we praise him, with, when we can wrap our hearts around, even when you walk in the sanctuary like this, and you got troubles, you know, some of you went through stuff last night or even this morning. You still come in, and when your mind gets set on him, uh, this is what God promises worship will do. It does this. Worshiping God turns gloom into glory. And when you notice, when you praise him, and you literally can get your mind focused on him, he takes care. He, all of a sudden, you have peace. I remember years ago, um, when I first got saved, got to go back to the 1980s, I was living in Newport Beach, California, and I was a mess. I, I better stop here. Pastor Ross, I might do this a lot in this message and just start rambling. Do I have a lot of time? Yes, a lot of time. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is where I get dangerous is when I know that there's no other service coming after. So, so I'm in Newport Beach, uh, and I just gotten saved. Now, I had a, a history. I was a cocaine addict, um, did crack. I, I smoked cocaine. I did a lot of different things. And I sold a significant amount of drugs, got mixed up with the Mexican uh, mafia is what it was called in the 80s. I think it's the same thing called the cartel. Now, my mind was a mess. God got a hold of me. I got saved. And, but my mind was really tweaked. And, uh, and I had trouble. I mean, I had IRS, whoever yelled taxes. Yeah, I agree. IRS was after me. Debt collectors were after me. And just everything was a mess. And my brain was just kind of spun. And uh, I got saved. I started going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And back then in the 80s, you had these things called Walkman. You put, how many of you remember those things? Like, wow, you guys are old. Okay, so, so you put like a cassette in it, right? For all of you who got like, you know, AirPods or whatever they're called, whatever those little things are. So Walkmans were like the early version. You put a cassette in it and, or they even had radios on it. And I remember I put worship music on. It was the only thing that would subdue me on the inside. Because on the inside, I went through two, two years of just, just turmoil. And God calmed me. Worship music, praising God, uh, worshiping God turns gloom into glory. And God does remarkable things. Listen, I got to share these words with this song with you guys, right? Um, the song's called I Give Thanks to You. And uh, I, I just love the lyrics of it. It says, for the first morning light, for the birds when they fly, for the clouds when they hang up so high in the sky, for your glory I see in a sweet baby smile I give thanks. For those times that I've laughed with my family and friends, for the times when I've cried since your spirit again, for your love that I find when your praises I sing, I give thanks. For my clothes in my bed, a roof over my head, and a piping hot meal when our table is set, for a walk on the beach where your beauty is seen, I give thanks. 
for the sound of the saints when they all join in, and proclaim you are God the forgiveness of sins. For this hope in my heart that forever I'm yours, I give thanks. For this breath that I breathe, for my eyes that can see, beaming sunsets and stars, mountains, valleys, and trees, for the years that you've shown only kindness to me, I give thanks. For the stripes that you bore so that I could be healed. For the crown that you wore so that I could be free. For your blood that you shed given freely to me, I give thanks. I, I love those lyrics because it just covers your life and all the graces of God and the greatest of all his mercy and grace and Jesus on the cross. And it's getting the right focus on the Lord. Um, one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song, is one you sang this morning, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. Um, taken from Revelation 5, book of Isaiah, uh, and it fits so well with this passage here too. I love it. I told everybody at first service, I've told my wife this at my funeral, I don't care what songs you pick as long as they're good, but make sure you get that one. <laughs> that's, that's if I'm not raptured first and if I died before her, right? So... <laughs> Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But we are worshiping him for honor because honor belongs to the Lord, for power because power belongs to the Lord. He is the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one. And the Greek word that's used here for power in Revelation 19 is the same Greek word that's used for power here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, being a Calvary chapel, you guys know this verse. As Jesus talking to the disciples, telling them to wait in Jerusalem. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That Greek word for power that is promised to us through the Holy Spirit is the same Greek word that's used in Revelation 19 when we worship God for his dunamis, dynamite power. Because that Greek word dunamis is where we get our English word dynamite. Same word that's used here. God wants his power to flow through us. And we recognize him. Man, could you imagine if we as believers actually tapped into the power that he promises to give us? That'd be pretty incredible. Um, by the way, I just got to say this because it does mean dynamite. This, I think you will never forget this once I, I share this with you. So how many of you remember... I think the program was called Good Times with J.J. Walker. Okay, get the right program. That was J.J. Walker, right? How many, how many was that again? Okay, you guys will remember this. The rest of you are going to learn something. You should check it out later. Google it later, not right now. Um, wait till church is done. But J.J. Walker, he used to say dynamite. And he would, it was the way he said it. Dynamite! And it was great. And, and I just, he's like one of my all-time favorite TV characters. And J.J. Walker saying dynamite. So I picture God wants us to have that dynamite power. And he's, he's got his power for us, right? I told you you'd remember it. That's true. And we are going to praise him for his glory, honor, power, and justice because justice, truth, and righteousness belong to the Lord. I praise God for his justice. Some people do not like the thought of a God that is just, 
But what kind of God would he be? He couldn't be holy. He couldn't be righteous. He couldn't be any of those things. I look at all of the... There's, listen, I mean, you guys must agree with me. There are horrible things that are happening in this world right now. And um, what really bothers me is what is happening to children. Yes. All over the world. In America, um, sex trafficking... Um, you hear the, you, you see these things, and it's just, I mean, I cannot imagine being a parent going through some of these things. And just with the s- schools now, I have two kids, one's 20, and our daughter's 17. And, um, you know, you look at, it, it, I, I have good friends that are teachers in the California public school system, and they love the Lord, and they're trying to be like that 5%, you know, trying to teach good things without ending up in jail themselves. And, and, but you see what's happening to children, little children. You know, parents are so busy and, and they're, you know, a lot of them can't do homeschool and their kids are surrendered over to Babylon for lack of other terms. And I praise God and, and terrible abuse. And I mean, just on down the list, Jesus is going to judge sin. And in heaven, the 24 elders, the creatures, uh, the angels, and us are going to be praising him because you have finally brought justice. Because there is a lot of very unjust things that are taking place on this planet. As we continue from this spot, In Revelation chapter 19, it goes on and tells us, uh, verse 7, look at this again. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, look at this, verse 8, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. All right, a couple of things real quick here. When I think of this marriage of the Lamb, I, I cannot help but think how incredible it's going to be. I, I, I like going to really nice wedding ceremonies. You know, I've done a lot of weddings, um, and sometimes I'll say yes to, the, cer- to the, like the reception afterwards, right? Usually I don't, but sometimes I do. And... Um, if I know it's really nice. So that's, I, I gotta confess. I, or, or family, I've gotta go to the family ones, right? Well, I, listen, I'm gonna just tell you the way I really think. So, but I mean, I want you to think of this. This is, let me fix this. My, I think I've, I've gained too much weight since I've been here. Nothing is fitting me, including my jacket. Uh-oh, my shirt's unbuttoning. This is not good. So, uh... So, anyways, I think I'll stand like this the rest of the time. So, uh, yeah, um, where am I talking? Oh, marriage. So this marriage, in, in, this is the marriage of the Lamb. This is Jesus, the creator of all things. I assure you, Jesus is not in heaven looking down on earth and seeing some really awesome receptions and weddings by our standards. He's not up there in heaven talking with Peter and saying, or with, let's say, uh, Mary, who anointed Jesus with the costly perfume. He's not up there talking with her, saying, Mary, 
did you see what so-and-so did on, look at that reception, the marriage of the lamb, Revelation 19, I've been telling everybody about, it's not going to be as good as that. We need another <laughs> wedding coordinator or, or whatever, right? It doesn't work that way. Last night at a great time, we went to Coppola's, never been there before. That place, I'm going to tell you, is rather spectacular, I felt like I walked onto a movie set of lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> Compared to what Jesus has, Jesus is not looking down and going, did you see what Francis Ford Coppola did? <laughs> we, we don't stand a chance. It is, that place is spectacular as it is. And I can't wait to go back there someday. In comparison, it's a dung heap. Yes. And, and if you can put it into that understanding, Wow. That's cool. Now, also notice this. It tells us that we are, we are clothed in our uh, wedding garments. What are they? tells us, verse 8, the righteous acts of the saints. So that means, in other words, it's like a re your rewards, right? If you have no righteous acts that you've done as a believer for the kingdom of Christ... You're not going to be, if you're genuinely saved, you'll be in heaven. You'll be part of this. You'll be singing, but your clothes aren't going to look all that great. You know what I mean? You're going to, your button's going to pop off on your shirt. You're going to have these kind of problems, right? So, so I, you know, this is, you listen, this is me. I do not want to, and this is nothing against thrift stores. I, I know plenty, <laughs> seriously, I, I know some very wealthy people. They shop at thrift stores and get their clothes. Price smart. But, so nothing against that. But when I get to heaven, I don't want to appear that I've been shopping at a thrift store because the wedding garments are based upon the righteous acts of the saints. I want to look as good as I possibly can. I've, it, it's, a reward, it's a reward system that Don Perkins was talking about yesterday. And uh, I'm just saying, depending on how you want to show up at the wedding, I'd be saying, okay, I mean, imagine if you're at the, I don't think it'll happen this way, but imagine you are, and you see Don dressed like, wow, and Pastor Ross, wow, and then... Um, if, it's, if somebody else, you come walking in, you get your, you know, never mind. You guys got to figure it out, right? Verse, uh, verses 9 and 10, let me reread that real quick. Um, then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true saints of God. And I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, this is the, the servant talking to John, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here's, here's the story. Here's the story, Morning Glory. Um, I hear this all the time uh, from people that tell me, as a pastor of a church, that I need to not talk about Bible prophecy so much. Um, yes, it, it happens a lot. So I probably talk about it a lot, but still, it happens a lot. And they say what we need is more Jesus, less prophecy. What they really mean is we want some happy, we want more happy stories, and the prophecies kind of scares me sometimes. Um, but the prop, there's a real problem with this thinking. 
because over a quarter of the Bible is Bible prophecy specific to Jesus himself, his first coming and his second coming. You can make a case that almost the entire Bible is Bible prophecy. You know, you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, but when it comes to Bible prophecy, like we think over a quarter of the Bible is. Well, that means if somebody says, I want more Jesus, but no prophecy, what you really want is 75% Jesus. You don't want 100%. You've just cut off 25% of Jesus. Um, I'll use this illustration. Let's say you, you how, many, how many wheels does your car have? Most of you. Most of you got four wheels on your cars, right? Okay. And you got to get four new wheels. You don't just need tires. You need the wheels and everything. So you go to a local tire store and you say, how much for four wheels? They say $1,000. You say, how many wheels do I get for 750? <laughs> right? Because you don't like what you're being told. So you say, well, just give me three wheels then. Most of your friends would say, well, you're an idiot. I mean, that's what you, that, serious, am I allowed to say that from the pulpit? No? <laughs> okay, well, you're not very smart. How's that? Can I, can I get away with that one? Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> okay, you're just not very smart, right? You, you, you have to have all four wheels. You ha don't you want all of Jesus? I mean, we sing songs, Jesus, I want all of you, that kind of thing. Well, Jesus, I want 75% of you. I mean, we, you know, it doesn't, it, it, just, does that make sense? Okay. Listen, Jesus is coming. Verse 11, let's just read on through to the end of verse 16, and I'll wrap it up. Um, now I heard, now, excuse me, now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. If you were here yesterday, we talked about a different white horse. That's the Antichrist horse. Okay, this is a different one. That was an imposter, Revelation chapter 6. Now, I, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he, this is Jesus, who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, uh, white and clean, followed him on white horses. This is cool. So who's the armies in heaven in fine linen? That's describing us who are in our wedding clothes. So again, you're going to be on a horse. You want to look good. You don't want to have lousy clothes, right? So we're going to be following him. Jesus is coming on his white horse, and we're coming too. This is cool. And Brother Don Perkins has already picked out the name of his horse. And I'm sure some of you, you know his name? You know the horse's name? I know. How many of you know his name? It's Nelly. As in, whoa, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. He's coming. <laughs> it's true. It is true. He picked out the name of that horse years ago. I haven't been able to top that one yet, Don. I keep thinking, what's a good horse name that makes this even? I can't come up with one yet. Now, out of the Lord's mouth, verse 15, goes a sharp sword, that with it 
He should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is awesome. I mean, how, I mean, you look at this and you go, man, so Jesus is coming and we're coming with him. So we've gone up, right? We're in heaven. We go to the mirror. We're, we're praising God, glory and honor, salvation and glory and honor and power and justice belong to the Lord. And we're at this, we're invited to the marriage supper. We've got our best clothes on. It is an incredible thing that's going on. And all of a sudden, we're getting on those, those horses. And I can't wait. I love going to Israel and standing over the Jezreel Valley, which these horses, this is where they end up, in, in Armageddon. And I tell everybody, I say, hey, look up in the sky. I'm either reading Revelation 16 or Revelation 19 at that point. Look up in the sky, because out of that sky, you can see Jesus coming. And if you're a believer, you're coming with him. We're coming right down there. And it's the coolest visual. And then Jesus comes back and he goes and he throws the, the false prophet and the antichrist into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And then he goes and stands on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives splits in two and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And we rule and reign with him as kings and priests. And it is going to be incredible. And he is king of kings and lord of lords. But it says here, the sword comes out of his mouth. What is it? It is the word of God. But what kind of weapon is the word? Well, in his mouth, it's a powerful weapon. It is the most powerful weapon. As armies go, we might think that this army is ill-equipped. It's us. It's us, right? I mean, some of us couldn't do it. Let me fix. I just got trouble. It's, I did eat too much food here. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, we're, we're the army. And Jesus is leading. By the way, we're not going to have to fight. So you're, you're good, all right? Jesus does it all with his mouth. The armies of the world are gathered there at Armageddon. They've got all of, they've got missiles, they've got tanks. We keep hearing about all the weapons that the world is creating. They're going to be gathering there, and Antichrist via, uh, or Satan via Antichrist is going to inspire the world to focus all of their all of their weapons at Jesus when he comes back. All of them, it's going to be awesome. They're not going to work. It just, it, and you think, well, he's just going to say something and they're going to be wiped out. Yes, that's exactly what he's going to do. I want you to think of this. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. What does the creation of light entail? Simple. Almost all the light in the universe is generated by stars. As stars go, the sun at the center of our solar system is about medium. The sun has a diameter of 865,000 miles. Our earth feels big from our perspective, but you could fit 1.3 million earths inside the sun. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune are all massively bigger than earth. For instance, you can fit 1,300 Earths inside Jupiter alone. 
But as big as they are, the sun still contains 99.8% of all matter in the solar system. Uh, the textbook Planetary Sciences refers to the solar system as the sun plus some debris. The sun, this is a really good weight loss program, the sun is constantly losing weight. It loses 1.5 million tons of material to the solar wind every second. That's a lot. Every second. It's converting its own mass, its own mass into energy all the time. It converts 4 million tons of solar material into energy every second. That sounds like a lot and a really good weight loss program, but the problem is at that rate, it loses only about 0.05% of its mass every 5 billion years. So, yeah. There are more than 200 billion stars, like the sun, in the Milky Way galaxy. Some say there's 400 billion the largest galaxy that we know of contains over 100 trillion stars. And no one knows for sure how many galaxies exist, but 200 billion is a conservative estimate. 200 billion galaxies containing an average of over 200 billion stars, of which our amazing, mind-boggling sun is merely average. And it all started with four words coming out of the mouth of God, let there be light. So when we think, well, the word of the Lord, is it a powerful weapon against the enemy? You better believe it. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, and all things were made through him, Jesus, and without him nothing was made that was made. His one sword, his word, will be enough. Even the battle hymn of the republic is based on this chapter Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. But Julia Ward Howe, the poet who wrote the words, allegorized the chapter into something happening at that time, which was near the beginning of the Civil War. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. She had already seen it. His, he is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored, already happening. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. Already happened. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. Past tense. Jesus is king of kings and he is lord of lords. Amen. I'm going to show you a video. This video is probably about four minutes long. I love this video. I show it, well, I show it every chance I get. Uh, it's, uh, re it was by S.M. Lockridge, a message that he did. He was a Baptist pastor, uh, preacher in San Diego, died several years ago. Um, the message is called, That's My King. Some of you know this video. Yeah. Absolutely one of my favorites, if not my favorite. And it's based on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And we'll put it into the context of we live in a Friday world and uh, Jesus is coming. You ready? Because it's great. The words are powerful, and the way he says it is powerful. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. 
the council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday, but let me tell you something, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's come. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday, Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Amen. I love that. It's we live in a Friday world. It's Friday, but Jesus is coming. And when he comes back, we're coming with him. And it's going to be awesome. And I want to assure you, because there's a lot of people that teach, pastors that teach this thing called replacement theology. They say, listen, Jesus isn't coming back. God's done with Israel. All this other stuff. Don't pay attention to the 25% of Bible prophecy. Listen, it's a lie. Jesus is coming back. Jesus, I assure you, the conversation did not happen like this. Jesus died, was buried, uh, 
rose from the grave, ascended to heaven. He did not arrive in heaven. And this is not how the theological conversation went. Dad, he didn't say that. I got half the job done. I've saved some souls, but Satan, he won Jerusalem. He won planet Earth. He won all of creation. But I saved some souls, Dad. It did not go like that. Jesus won. It's finished at the cross. He is coming back. Listen, Satan did not win. He's a loser. He's a punk. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming back, and he is going to rule and reign, and he is go- he is, uh, salvation belongs to him, and glory and honor and, and justice and power, for he is God. Lord, we thank you for your word, for you are good. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.